Hi there. Hi. How can I help? I was hoping you could help me figure out what classes I should take here. I can. It's just tough because I don't really know what I want to do. Okay, let's start the basics. What do you want to be? To be. Well, I used to play sports. Okay. What kind of sports? Team sports. I think I like being part of a team. So, you like art? Um, maybe. Let me ask you this. What do you think your purpose is? My purpose? I like to help people. That sounds like a pretty good purpose. Yeah. I think so. Good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're glad you're with us this morning. And, and let me just say congratulations to everybody that's here. You have officially accomplished perfect attendance at church for 2019 so far. It's incredible. You guys keep it up. Let's see if we can we can make it two weeks in a row. It'll be absolutely awesome if you'll come back next week. And so, uh, anyways, uh, we're glad that you're here. I'm actually one of the pastors here, and we're pumped. We're getting ready to start a brand new series next weekend called The Me I Want to Be. And this is what I know every year people go into the years with all these resolutions to change their life. And I believe that God has a lot to say about who you are and who you should be in life. And he actually has a purpose and a plan, and we want to help equip you to be the person that God has called you to be. And so over the next couple of weeks, starting next weekend, uh, it's a great opportunity for you to come back and learn that yourself. Also, on your way out today, you're going to be handed some invite cards to invite some friends, some family, some coworkers, that, that neighbor that you want them to be something different than they currently are. is a good person to invite for next weekend. And so, uh, but today, everybody say today. today. Come on, say today. Today, I believe that God wants to show up and show off. I believe he wants to speak something to your life today. I think he wants to do something incredible to you and for you as an individual. God, God wants to communicate with you. And we're going to be talking today about a subject that I think is so critical to every single one of our lives. And, and really, a, a lot of what I'm going to talk about today actually came out of a season in my life where, where I learned a ton about communicating with God, and I was particularly inspired by a book uh, called The Circle Maker by a guy named Mark Batterson. If you've never read The Circle Maker, uh, I, I would recommend write that name down, read it over the next uh, month or so. It, it will change your life as far as your communication with God. It'll help you communicate with God better. It'll help you have a better understanding of who God is and what he wants to do in your life, because here's what I know. A lot of us, we have this this idea, this sense of like, hey, I don't really understand prayer. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to really communicate with God. And so a lot of times there is this barrier in life to us really having this incredible relationship with God. And in fact, a lot of people are like, well, TJ, I, I hear this question. How do I get my 
prayer is answered. And what I would say is, is it's, a, it's a communication thing. In fact, um, there's an old revivalist named Leonard Ravenhill, and he made this quote that I read a long time ago. He said, no man is greater than his prayer life. Failing here, we fail everywhere. And when I read that, I was like, man, that, is, that is, is so true because most of the time, prayer is not our first option in life. It's our last resort, right? What we do is we worry a whole lot more than we pray. In fact, I would submit to you today that if you prayed as much as you worried, you'd have a whole lot less to worry about in life. In fact, the Bible talks about this very thing in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And, and, and so it, it begs the question, as we go into a new year, a lot of us are worried about, like, what is this year going to look like? How am I going to accomplish my goals? How am I going to do this and that? Where am I going to be in my career? Instead of worrying about those things, what if we learned how to seek God and be thankful for all that he's doing in our lives and really see God do something incredible inside of us? And this year, as a church community, and really, I, if you're a guest here with us, man, we are so, so thankful that you are here hanging out, checking us out. But I really want to challenge our community here at Coastal Community Church to make this a year where we see God more than we've ever saw him before, where we make our, our lives uh, totally integrated with praying about everything, like making prayer and making our connection with God a constant thing in our lives. In fact, what I would call making our lives uh, like the book, The Circle Maker, that we would become circle makers and we would have great faith and great trust in God. And we wouldn't worry about things, but we would tell God what we need and we would see God do what only God can do. And in fact, they're in this this book, The Circle Maker, they actually tell a rabbinical story uh, from the book of legends that is actually a, a, a Jewish uh, book of some of the greatest uh, stories of, of people in Jewish history. They tell a story of a guy named Honey. And uh, Honey existed in the time when the last prophets had spoken right before Christ came back. There was actually a period of time of about 700 years where God was silent. And, and in fact, a lot of people thought that like God had disappeared. And yet during this time, the Jewish people were in a severe, severe drought. There was no rain. They were on the verge of extinction because if their crops did not come in, they were gonna have no food, which meant that they were gonna have no longer be in existence because they were going to starve to death. And in the middle of this season, there was an old sage named Honey that the people called upon and said, hey, listen, we know that you still pray and believe in God. Would you pray to God that it would rain? And, rain, and Honey came down into the middle of their village one day with a six-foot staff and started drawing in the dirt. He started going 160, 180 320, 360 degrees, drew a circle, and he said, listen, I'm not gonna leave this circle until God gives us rain. And then he started praying to heaven, and this is what he prayed. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. He, he prayed this with such passion and vigor with the authority of the prophet Elijah and with the humility of somebody that trusted God. And as he prayed this prayer with thousands of people gathered around him, it's like a word from heaven went up 
And all of a sudden, in the history books, it says that a rain started to fall down from heaven the moment that he started to pray. And as the rain started to fall, the people started celebrating because that all of a sudden, they were going to be saved. Their crops were going to be saved. That they, they were getting their miracle. But yet, in the middle of all that, Honey did not stop praying. In fact, his prayer continued. In fact, his voice got louder over the cheers of the people. And he said, not for such a rain have I prayed, but for a rain that will fill cisterns and pits and caverns. And it says the rain that was sprinkling down turned to a torrential downpour. In fact, in the books, they said that the drops of rain were the size of eggs. Can you imagine being hit by raindrops the size of eggs? That would be painful. And it says the people started scattering, and because the rain was so much, it was flash flooding, they headed up to the Temple Mount because it was the highest point for the people to survive. But yet, Honey stayed in his circle and continued to pray, and, and he made one refined, bold request. He said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. It says, then like a well-proportioned sun shower in a hot and humid August afternoon, the rain started to come down at that pace and that scale, and it was like a tangible token of God's greatness and his faithfulness and his love for his people. And the legend of Honey became extremely significant that day because that prayer that he prayed became a prayer that saved an entire generation. In fact, they say it's one of the most significant prayers in all of the history of Israel. And the circle that he drew became this sacred symbol. And the legend of Honey became a testament of the single power of a single prayer that we can make. And a lot of us, when we start talking about prayer, we, we think prayer is goofy, it's boring, it's, it's a singular communication, and, and prayer is not any of that. It's actually our connection point to our Heavenly Father. And, and here's what I know about most of us. If we were truly honest about our lives, we would all say that there are some dry areas of our life. There are some areas of our life that maybe we've been in drought and maybe it's in our marriage that we're experiencing a drought and the communication and the love and the, 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 the intimacy is not like it used to be. Maybe it's with our children that it's dry right now and, and there's a barrier that's going on. Maybe it's in your finances that you find yourself dry right now. Maybe it's in your health that you're in a season where it's, it's not looking so good and it feels very dry in your life. I don't know what season you are in, but this is what I know is that when we're in that season, it feels like there is a disconnect from God. And if I were to sit down with you and we were to have a conversation and you were to say, hey, I was dealing with this, the first question I would ask you is, is how is your relationship with God right now? 
Because I know your connection to God is so critical to you being fulfilled in life. And so when we start thinking about connection with God, we start thinking about prayer and, and prayer meetings and, and getting together with other people. All of a sudden, we start thinking about prayer and prayer meetings. It gets weird because if you've ever been to a prayer meeting, it's not there's a lot of unspoken things that go on. And so you don't really know what you should do. When you go in, there's always like people that want to hold hands. And so do you go over? Do you go under? Is there a person that wants to interlock their fingers? That's weird. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. And then it's like, like what, do, what do I say right now? And, and so people start praying, especially if you're in like some sort of little group or something, you start praying with, each, with other people and you're not paying attention to what they're praying about because you're thinking about what are you gonna say in that moment that's gonna sound good? And then that person steals your prayer, right? It's like, oh shoot, now I gotta start all over again. And come on, come on, we've all been there. If you've been to a prayer meeting, you're like, man, and so we, we come into communicating with God with all these misconceptions and all these ideas. And I really believe that who you become is determined by how you pray. And in your communication with God is going to ultimately determine what your relationship with God looks like In fact, the, I believe that the transcript of your prayers will become the script of your life. And so most of the time in life, what we do is we exhaust every option we can in our own power, in our own expertise, in our own abilities, and then we go, well, I guess all I have left is to pray. What if prayer wasn't our last resort, but it was our first option? What if instead of waiting for the last minute to go to God, we made God the center of every single thing that we did and we go, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to you first. I'm not gonna wait and worry about those things. I'm gonna come to you and give it to you so don't have to worry about those things because I know you're gonna show up and do something in my life. And so I wanna talk a little bit about prayer today and I wanna talk about how Jesus taught his disciples to pray because I think if Jesus gave us a model for prayer, it should be the way that we model prayer. Uh, if it was good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. So Luke chapter one, starting in verse one, it says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into the temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, how many of you guys have heard that prayer before? The Lord's Prayer, right? Most of the time, it's a prayer that people recite. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? It's a prayer we recite. A lot of us, we, we do this with our kids. We have prayers we recite. Now I lay me down to sleep. Come on, parents. What's the rest of it? Come on. That's, that's all you got? You got half of it. 
Terrible recital of prayer right there on her behalf. If I die before I wake, which is, think about what you're saying to your kids. That's creepy right there. <laughs> listen, listen, son, if you die tonight, I hope the Lord takes your soul. <laughs> I mean, yes, I do, but that's like, a lot of times we get into this recital mode with God but God isn't giving us a prayer to recite. He's giving us some direction here. He's giving us a model of here are some elements that should be in your prayer life. And so I wanna talk about Jesus' model for prayer. Not, this isn't something for us to recite. I don't want us going through every day and reciting the Lord's Prayer. You can do that. But what if you took the elements and you really thought about them and what they mean for you today in your life? And so it says, our Father in heaven. So number one, if you're taking notes today, I encourage you to take notes. It won't get you to heaven, but it'll make you smarter. Um, <laughs> just saying. Uh, number one, it's about a relationship with the Father. It's about a relationship with, with, with God. It's about having a healthy relationship with this almighty God who is your Father in heaven. And this is what I know is your view of someone will determine your relationship with them. And so your view of God is going to determine your relationship with God. And so if you have a distorted view of God, it's automatically going to distort your view when it comes to prayer. So if you think God is mean and spiteful and vengeful and angry at you, then you're going to approach God in this timid nature because you think he's just going to get you. It's like he's creeping around the corner. Gotcha. You know, it's like... It's like that's a lot of our mentalities when it comes to God. In fact, A.W. Tozer, who was, a, who was a great pastor, he says, your view of God is the most important thing about your relationship with God. So how you view God, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 that has always been the way that I have viewed God, and so I thought I would share it with you. It says, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need, and, and I love the imagery because I picture God as my heavenly father. He's in a business meeting. He's got angels all around. People are taking his beck and call, and all of a sudden, I have a need, and I run into my dad's office. I'm like, Dad, and he stops the meeting. Why? Because I'm his son, and I can come boldly into his office, and I can go, hey, Dad, and I can run up, and I can jump in his lap and go, hey, do you know what's going on? Shayla is being mean to me again. God, can you please fix her heart in your son's name? You know, it's like, <laughs> that's an awesome prayer right there, babe. I love you. <laughs> Sorry. It's one of the few times she actually sits in the service, so I got to acknowledge that she's here. In case you don't know, this is my wife right here. Wife, would you stand up real quick? Single people, she's taking. Married people, she's taking. I'm just letting you know. She's, she's awesome. Um, but it's, it's this idea that we can come. I love the word that he uses, boldly. Because here's what I know. Bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. When we have a view of God that he is our heavenly father. We can come boldly into that place. And we can experience everything we need in that moment. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And here's the amazing thing about God. 
Because God isn't, ultimately, he's not looking for your prayers. He's really just looking for you. He doesn't want you to get up in the morning and go, hey, God, good morning. Check that off my list. What God wants is he wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. He doesn't want to be a task that is accomplished. He wants to be in a relationship that you're in continuously. And, and here's, here's what I think is so critical. You're here today and you're like, man, I'm not really sure about this God thing. I'm, I, I, I don't know if I believe everything. Here's the most important thing you can know about God. And it, 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 when you realize this truth, it will change everything. And it's this, is that God is for you. God is for you. He's not against you. God wants what's best for your life. I know that it's hard, but it doesn't have all these rules. No, no, no. He has everything for you. He wants what's best for you, which is why he sets up rules. I want what's best for my son. I don't want him touching the stove. It's a rule. I'm trying to protect him. No different than our heavenly father. Continuing on in verse two, it says, hallowed be your name. Number two, if you're taking notes, there is power in his name. There's power in his name. All throughout scripture, you see the names of God over and over and over again. If you're going through a trial here today, it says that God is our banner of victory. He is Jehovah Nisi. If you're struggling with your finances or in your business, it says that he is our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. If you're struggling in your health and, and maybe you need a healer today, he is Jehovah Rapha. If you're struggling with, with purpose in life, he is, he is our shepherd. He is our God. He is Jehovah Ra. If you're struggling here with... Uh, clarity and, and, and distractions in life. He is the Prince of Peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. If you feel like you're all alone, he is the Lord is there. Jehovah Shema. Like God's name is constantly reminding you of who he is for your life based on where you are. And see, one of the greatest things God does is he goes, when Moses goes to God and goes, what should I call you? What should your name, how should I address you? How does he address, what does God say? He says, I am. You wanna know why he is the I am? It's because when you're not, he is. And so if we would recognize the names of God and how he wants to intervene in our lives and how he wants to do some things inside of us, we'd realize that, man, there is power in his name. Now, I want you to take notes. We're, we're two steps into Jesus' prayer, and we haven't talked about us yet. What is it, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to recognize him. This is a connection point. Don't skip right to your wish list, right? Here's what I've learned in life. Gratefulness produces generosity. Parents, you, you just bought tons of gifts for your kids, right? When your kids are appreciative of those gifts, what does that make you want to do? Give them more? When they totally disregard those things, what do you want to do? Take them all away? <laughs> just, oh, sorry, that was just me. Uh, my kid's nine months old. He liked the box. So it's, <laughs> it's about, what he's saying here is it's about worshiping and thanking God. Continuing on, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Number three, 
pray his list first. Listen, there are a lot of yours before us's. Your kingdom, your name, your will. See, if you start to focus on God's list, he'll focus on your list. And what's at the top of God's list? God's list is about people. I mean, think about what did, what did, Jesus, what did Jesus say to everybody right before he left in Matthew 28? What did he say? He said, therefore, go in all the world, right, and preach the gospel, teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you. And then he goes, and surely I'm with you always to the very end. So what he says is he said, hey, be about what I'm about, and here's my promise is I'll be with you. So make it about what I'm about, and I'll take care of everything that you need in life. It's amazing how when we focus on God, it always reciprocates back to us. And I believe the key to being a, a prayer warrior and a key to having this intimacy with God is connecting on what is passionate on God's heart. Lost people matter to God, therefore, lost people matter to us. It's one of the reasons why if you walk out into our foyer, we say that found people find people. Why? Because that's God's hearts. Well, where'd you get that at? That scripture we just read. So we just prayed three parts of what God started with, and you notice there's a lot of yours and not very many of us's. So think about this. If God came down and answered all of your prayers today, would your prayers change the world or just your world? Listen, when I asked myself that question, it was like a gut check. I, I'm honest, I'm a pretty selfish person. A lot of my prayer life for a long time revolved around me, myself, and I. And I'll throw Shayla in there occasionally, but it was pretty much me. But when I started recognizing that, that if I really wanted to have a relationship, that I couldn't make it just about me. Have you noticed that just in regular human interaction? If you get around somebody that just talks about themselves all the time, do you want to spend any time with them? Why? Because it's, not a very healthy relationship. But if you're actually interested in what that person's interested in, all of a sudden they're interested in what you're interested in, aren't they? What would happen if we were actually interested in what God was interested in? Then all of a sudden what God does is he becomes interested. He says, give us this day our daily bread, which means that number four, God has everything that we need. He has everything Notice I didn't say he has everything we want. It's an important distinction right there. Well, God, why don't I have a Bentley with 22s and live on the beach? Because you don't need that. <laughs> you need an apartment in Coral Springs right now with a bedroom and a bath, okay? It's a... Because he has everything we need. In fact, you go back to the Israelites traveling in the desert. They said, hey, we want meat. What did God give? He gave manna, right? And just enough for that day. Any extra that they collected had to be for somebody else if it was not going to spoil. The principle here. If you're blessed, it isn't just so you can hoard more and consume it. It's actually so you can make an impact in other people's lives. 
so that God can be glorified. Listen, God doesn't want to just take care of the little things that you need. He wants to take care of the big things as well. The problem is, is most of us, we don't rely on God. We, we rely on ourselves. We go, well, I can do that. I can accomplish that. And God is just waiting for us to go into his word and take his promises as they are and go, God, I trust you. Listen, for every problem you're facing, there is a promise in here that if you will do the premise, man, God is faithful. And he's waiting for some people that will circle his promises and go, God, I'm not going to move from here because God is not only a promise maker, he is a promise keeper, and he loves nothing more than answering prayers and performing miracles in people's lives so that he can be glorified through your life. But we got to give him the chance to do that. And I think that if we started relying on God for everything, what that would mean is we would stop stressing and start praying, wouldn't it? He continues on and says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Number five, if you're taking notes, we have access to forgiveness and freedom. I love what Dr. Cho says. He is the pastor of the world's largest church in Korea. And he, he, in one of his books, he says he prays this prayer every day. And, and I think it's so apropos. He says, God, I forgive so many people because I hate so many people. It's one of the most honest prayers I've ever seen written down. But there's something really, really critical here that, that he does. He's going, man, I, I realize that it's really easy for unforgiveness to come up into my heart. I'm going to choose to forgive before things even happen. I'm going to set it in my heart that I'm going to be a person that is not going to hold on to bitterness. I'm not going to hold on to anger. I'm not going to hold on to resentment. I'm not going to hold on to hurt. I'm not going to hold on to those things because those things are keeping me from a relationship with my heavenly father. And so I know that people are going to do things to me that's going to make me hate them, but I'm going to forgive them right now before they even do it. So I'm going to set my heart in an arena where I am open to forgiving all the time. And I think that this is so important for us because so many of us around here, there is a barrier that is keeping your prayers from being answered, and it's called the unforgiveness and bitterness that's in your heart towards somebody else. And you think, well, they do this, and I'm going to hold it on. And you think that you're holding them prisoner, but what in fact is holding you prison is them is what they did, and they don't even remember those things anymore. And what is holding you prisoner from is the promises of God that he has for you. Because Jesus said, if you forgive other people who sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, which is implying that if you don't forgive other people, God can't forgive you. Which is exactly what the prayer Jesus just prayed basically implies too. So think about this. What may be actually holding you back from experiencing the power and the presence and the freedom that you're longing for is a decision that Jesus gave you the power to make. See, the freedom isn't for that other person. The freedom 
is for you. The forgiveness is for you. And it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the part that I love. Number six, if you're taking notes, we fight from victory. We fight from victory. And this is a paradigm shift for some of us. Because a lot of us, we're, we're fighting from a paradigm like we're losing the battle. But here's the deal. We have the book that tells the end of the story. And here's the deal. We win. You win. And so right now, you might feel like you're defeated, but you serve a God that has never lost a battle. Even when everybody thought he had lost, when he was crucified on the cross and put into a grave and they counted him dead, what happened three days later, he was still alive. Which means that no matter how dead it looks in your life and how defeated you may feel right now, it means that God can resurrect that situation because we don't fight from a place of defeat. We fight from a place of victory. And what would happen if our prayer life, we didn't come into it all timid and like defeated, but we came into it with an attitude of, man, God, I know what you can do. I've seen what you've done and I trust you in it. But that only happens when we get into his word and we start trusting what he says. It's the private devotion that leads to public victory in life. We all want the public victory, but it happens in the secret place. It happens in the intimate moments with God. A man that is intimate with God is never intimidated by man. And the more intimate we get with God, the more that we will trust him, the more that we will know that we are victorious then we don't have to be victims any longer in life. But we can walk in the victory that he's promised to us. And so, church, I want to challenge us. We're getting ready to start 21 days of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow. And every morning from 6.30 to 7.30 right here at our church, also at Blooming Bean Coffee Shop in Pompano Beach, because we have a lot of Pompano people. Man, we're going we're gonna to spend some time praying. We're going to come in here. We're going to have a little devotion. We're going to spend some time worshiping inside your these books here, which is a prayer God, uh, or some bookmarks, which have prayer focus. And we're going to help you start to develop a prayer life. And we would ask you to participate. We'd ask you to get involved. Maybe you can't come here every morning. Maybe you can come one morning. Maybe you can come on Saturday morning. We'll do it from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. We're going to start tomorrow night with a night of worship because we believe that it's all about putting God in his rightful place in our life, and that begins with worship, because he is worthy of our praise. And I'm not ashamed to say, man, we're, we're, we're about seeking God at this church. If, if you're, you don't want to see God, find another church. You want to know more about God? Maybe you don't know God. You're welcome to hang out here as long as you want, because you will find God here. But I promise you, over these next 21 days, man, if we start seeking God, we start running after the heart of God, we will discover him. It says if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. But that means we take the step. We gotta take the step. You want this year to be different? What steps are you willing to take to make it different? And I believe that it starts with us seeking the heart of God. And so as your pastor, man, I wanna challenge you to go on this journey with us. Because here is, is my fear for your life. And it, it, Mark actually says it in the book. He said, the greatest tragedy are the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. 
listen, I don't know where you are or what you're going through or what dilemma you're facing or what transition in life is taking place or what health scare you have, but I am confident that you're one prayer away, that you're one encounter from God away from a dream fulfilled, a prayer answered, a promise kept, or a miracle performed. Because I really do believe that the transcript of your prayers will become the script of your life. Church, let's seek God like never before this year. And when we come back next year, a year from now, we'll be able to celebrate the stories that our prayers wrote in our realities. You guys bow your heads and pray with me. Father God, we just come before you now. Thank you that you're a God that has been after relationship with us from day one. And in the beginning when you created Adam and Eve, you walked with them and talked with them and sin separated us from that communion. But all you've been trying to do is to restore that relationship. And because of Jesus Christ, we're able to have this relationship with you. And maybe you're out there today and you've never experienced a relationship with Jesus and maybe you need to make that decision. Uh, Jessica will lead you in that prayer here in a second. But for the rest of us, my prayer is, is that, God, that we would seek after you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, that we would not let this year be like every other year, but God, we would choose to do something different, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as we do that, God, that you would do what that verse, the promise of that verse says, and that you would add everything to it. God, my prayer is is that as we seek you, we would find you.